0: You're listening to Travel Tales with Virgil.
1: And now that I know that the book's going to be read by other people, I'm really excited. But that was the best day of my life finishing and and, and going to the sea and um, and feeling surrounded by my imagination. If it doesn't sound too corny, no, you know, not at all. Um, because I had, yeah, I had a blast with the, with the characters. and um, They kept me company for 10 years, you know. Um, so it was a really kind of intimate moment.
0: You just heard my guest Louise Nealon talking about the day she finished her much-anticipated debut novel, Snowflake, which comes out in May. The book has already been snapped up by Element Pictures, who did Sally Rooney's Normal People and who are currently filming Conversations with Friends. Louise has already been acclaimed as a voice for her generation. I first noticed Louise's writing when she wrote an article on Innish Year for the Irish Times a few years ago. and It was so good I read it over and over again. Louise's writing is truthful, moving and very, very funny. I think she has that magic ingredient and is going to be a star. We had a lovely chat about the five places and trips that most influenced her writing. This episode is for all lovers of great writing as Louise gives a unique insight into the writing process. I'll fire into it if that's okay so yeah we got, no we've, got, we've got loads to uh to talk about which is brilliant that was the first time that I've ever had to move uh, an interview because somebody was milking the cows
1: no? <laughs> yeah true story <laughs> and I don't do an awful lot of them so if I refused um it wouldn't have gone down well so yeah
0: that's funny you know <laughs> you say you don't do too often but I was listening to your interview on uh, Ray Darcy and you were talking a good bit about milking cows there as well so you're gonna. They're definitely going to become known as uh, the cow milker.
1: Yeah, which is awful. Like my family really do slag me about it because they're like, you'd swear you're in the milk and parlour every day, and I'm really not. Like last time I was out there was apart from yesterday was like Christmas Day, so um, (laughs) I don't want to paint myself as a dairy maid because I'm really not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're you're like my guinea pig because this is the first time that I've actually done it. This the interview like this places that influence your writing or your art, and um, you sent me some great ones. So. If you're okay, I'd love to start with the first one because that was year and that was actually the first time that I ever read anything from you. was an article in the Irish Times. I spent um, two June's uh, in an Irish college in year. so I absolutely right. loved the place, and you really captured the the island, the essence of the island. I thought. Uh,
1: yeah. I can't believe you read that article. I didn't know that the article was published actually until a year after. And it was the first, yeah, it was the first piece of um, writing that I've ever gotten published. And it was only my sister, she Googled my name. She was Googling her own name and I came up. (laughs) She's going to kill me now for saying that. Um, But she was like, Louise, do you know that I entered a travel writing competition and uh, I came like a a finalist. They never actually told me or the email got lost. Um, So that was very bizarre because it was quite... um, I suppose, an intimate piece of writing about my family. Um, I'd shown it to my family beforehand. So, yeah, my my family have have a house out there. Um, My uncle-in-law, Joe. um, And every August bank holiday, um, a group of us go out. From all ages. My great-aunt Peggy, actually, she's probably the eldest. Um, Last time she went out, she was 80. And she'd bring the grey goose and the... A packet of cards and we'd all have a game of cards uh, with Peggy and she'd rob you blind <laughs> um, and it's just great crack, we have a great graw for the place, there's a routine we go jumping off the pier and it isn't the lap of luxury really uh, <laughs> because we're all in, in the one house um, the adults get beds but like I'm, I'm nearly 30 now but I still don't qualify as an adult um, so, so we metrics. all sleep upstairs yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't
0: even just a mattress. It was a thin mattress.
1: Really thin. Yeah. <laughs> and sleeping bags. Um, but it's great when you're you're landed in with cousins that like my cousins are very uh young. So um like we don't get to see each other an awful lot, but that weekend, the long weekend kind of brings us together in a way that's really kind of um we get to know each other really well. We're more like siblings as opposed yeah. to cousins. Um yeah, we, we'd eat the head off each other, but we do anthem for each other as well. Um, I really
0: loved you captured that thing. I could really relate to, you know, you said uh, the games were like 90% uh, verbal abuse verbal 10% sport abuse. you know and that was my that was our family and now I've got kids and it's and the score nearly people if you ask the score people probably don't even know what the score is no you know? and it is a magical place there's something about I really fell in love with any year, and the air is kind of salty or something just you feel like you're away. really
1: weird you really do and even coming up to the August bank holiday my mom's all, always like Oh, I don't know about the weather this year. Maybe you won't have the weather. And it all really depends on the weather because if you've good weather, it's amazing. And if it's if crap weather, you're stuck inside eating the head off each other. The weather, it always seems like it's a different country when you go because you take the plane, uh, the Fisher Price airplane that you're not <laughs> sure is going to go up in the air at all, or the boat. And uh, when you've good weather, it just feels like you're a world away, but also. Um, that it feels like home as well. It's very, it's a very special place because I really do miss it when I'm not, mm-hmm. when I'm not there. So I can just imagine what the islanders feel about their home. I know, you know, because it has such a special place in my heart. Yeah. You
0: know, like I remember being there and coming back from the Cayley one night, and it was the twenty first of June, and all along the coast of Galway there was bonfires because you know the longest, yeah. and it was kind of pagan, the medieval, and it just really it really etched into my brain you know like the that memory of their spectacular and tell us so the next place is dublin i can relate to that as well because i'm from clare and i went to college in, in dcu in dublin it's a big jump you know to go up isn't it to college to the big yeah. city
1: yeah and i only live 40 minutes away from the city center and it was so it was such a culture shock for me um because the only time we went up to dublin really was um to see the christmas lights <laughs> so it was uh, but I was such a country bumpkin and I remember the first day uh, I got so overwhelmed I got off the train didn't know where I was going and I a- stopped and asked a guard where Trinity was and he he just looked at me and he was like oh geez you poor devil <laughs> he was like if you just keep walking that way like you'll you'll come across it um And one of my friends uh rebecca she was like i find it great to just go get lost in the city and then and then i find my bearings like that whereas i was not like that at all i really needed to know where i was going so i had a set sort of routine like (laughs) i go to a certain coffee shop before lectures and i remember once that coffee shop was closed and i didn't even go to my lecture i just went straight home (laughs) because i was just like well Well, I can't go get my coffee, so
0: I can't go to the the (laughs) lecture. When I came up to college, I remember my first day, it was like a Sunday arriving up from the country and I had to get the bus out from O'Connell Street. I knew it to get the number 10 bus, but I was on the wrong side of O'Connell Street. So I was going to get a bus south side. Then two um, old hobos mugged me. And then the bus arrived and the bus conductor came out, shushed the guys away I said, where are you going? And I said, DCU. And he's like, well, you're in the wrong side. That was my first God, day. God bless
1: Dublin bus drivers. Yeah. <laughs> you got thrown to the wolves there.
0: But imagine, Gee, first I had, day. A, I
1: had a, yeah, it's <laughs> all so first day. They must have seen you coming. <laughs>
0: exactly. That's exactly what they saw. Greenhorn arriving. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I gave a fiver to a, a bus driver once and he just sort of looked at me and was like, I don't take notes like <laughs> and I had no change so I had, I had to get this. Is before like I got a leap card I didn't even know what a leap card was um and I think Dublin bus drivers deserve a medal like the good ones they really look out for country bumpkins and they see a coming and they just like like your man say and go over to the other side of the road there <laughs> like a good man exactly. and <laughs> keep your belongings to yourself
0: <laughs> exactly my well, life's belongings you know and was that the start of your writing then when you were in or were you always doing it at that stage you know when you were in Dublin
1: um I suppose yeah. I was writing stories in primary, but just uh, it was the stories that the teacher would ask you to write and I really enjoyed doing it but I didn't really think that you could do it on your own like I'd always need the teacher to say okay you need to write a story and then I'd write a story so it's sort of like a plus all really so I never really wrote stories outside of that. Then when I went into secondary school, I did a really uncool thing of um, we were doing history projects, and I wrote a short story instead of like in in the style of like being a Roman at the time or oh, wow. um, yeah. and very uncool. No, not at all. <laughs> exactly. A... Or like medieval history, I like wrote a story about being a knight. Um, and the teachers were kind of like, okay, like whatever you want to do there. And then I had a great English teacher. I had a great English teacher in Lieventhurst. She read a story that I wrote and she was like, you can, you can really write. And like, and she photocopied it and gave it out to the class. And that was like my first experience being like read wow. by other people other than like my teacher or my parents. And I did English and philosophy because of my teacher that did in English and philosophy. She was such a cool person in my life. Like I just wanted to be here and I wanted to I wanted to be an English teacher that I didn't think that I'd be able to be a writer. I find all this mad, like the whole, yeah. Yeah, like even being on this podcast is <laughs> far beyond my wildest dreams. And when I dropped out of college, then she sent me a text and uh, to meet up for lunch. Wow! And it was like the hand of God reaching out, you know, like, and then she sat me down and she was like, um, we just had a great chat and she was like, uh, what, what do you want to do and I was like oh, I don't know but I want to write a novel she was like send me send me chapters of it and that was the first um kind of time that I wrote just for myself really and I didn't really show anyone what I was writing for a long time um and for a lot of it it was just thinking about writing as opposed to writing itself mm-hmm. um and when I was in college I did English, so. Um, I was reading all these wonderful writers and masters of, of the forms, So I didn't really feel good enough um, to be a writer. And it was only in my last years, I did a, um, in my fourth year, I did a, a creative writing course with Deirdre Madden. Um, and she was, um, and, and that was, she kind of gave me the confidence to think, okay, I can, I can, I can do this as, as something just myself first but um if other people want to read it that'd be great
0: i, I read a great line from me you. you've you've great one-liners i have to say and i read one that, and it said um i only began to write seriously when i gave up the idea of becoming a serious writer
1: very very much so because i, I put pressure on myself i always wanted to be a writer but i thought that it was something that only magical people did like like you were born a writer and you knew it all along. And, um, and even now I, I still struggle with um, the idea that I make my living from writing because in many ways I don't feel good enough. <laughs> if you do actually just um, sit down and write and see writing as, as a verb and not as like a job or some big thing, if you write anything at all, you're a writer. Like in the same way that if you run, you're a runner, you know? And if you just, if, i found that if i I stripped back the idea that it wasn't something to approach with some kind of um expectation it was just an activity that i did that i enjoyed and and not to beat myself up about how many words i was writing or what i was writing or if it was any good to just do it um and enjoy it and try to enjoy it at least and i really get a lot out of it yeah
0: you know, and I forgot to mention, actually, at the start, I meant to, that you have your debut novel coming out um, yeah. in May. So congratulations. Thank you,
1: Thank you, so you very much. So it's it, it called No Um And I, it's been 10 years in the making. So uh, actually, when I went out for lunch with my secondary school English teacher, I had the idea for it. That's an idea that stayed with me over over 10 years characters changed and the setting changed. It was originally set in America because I wanted to write a big story. So all the big stories were set in America. And now I imagine the characters actually live down the road from me um, in a kind of parallel universe. Uh, so all of the landscape is the same. It's just peopled by different characters to, to people in my life. Yeah, I, it's about a girl. Um, very much mind from my own experiences. It's about a girl who grows up on a dairy farm and goes to college in Dublin. Um but where she differs from me is that she has um kind of an odd family. Her mom um suffers with mental health conditions, um, um bipolar and um, manic depression. And she believes that she's able to dream other people's dreams, kind of doesn't really engage with reality. And she's locked up in her bedroom. Um, and Debbie gets on really well with her uncle who lives in a caravan in the back of, out the back of their house. And he's uh, a gas character and everyone loves him. And he's kind of trying to help Debbie to navigate um, life. So, so he thinks that going to university, she kind of break free of, of her mother's kind of where her mother is.
0: And dreams are important impression, I guess, from what I've read. Do you, do you have dreams that you go? No, I had,
1: yeah, no, I think, um, the funny thing about it is, if someone comes, like, say, my sister comes into the kitchen and she goes, Oh, I had a, I had a really weird dream last night. I'm not really interested in it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of boring when people go on about their dreams. And when I wake up, no matter how much uh, I feel like, Oh, that was a really good dream, I never really tell anyone about it. Um, but I had a really weird dream when I was 18, um, and it actually didn't feel like a dream. That I had myself it felt like I was in someone else's head and then I woke up from that and that's kind of where the idea came from and that I had a really weird feeling of feeling dislocated from myself and disassociated from myself I thought that I would make a great idea for for a novel so I kind of took I'm obsessed with dreams and dream literature and myths and uh, legends I'm actually reading Dream Time at the minute by John Moriarty yeah. Um, he's great there's a great interview with him and tommy tiernan and um, when tommy tiernan went uh, walking around the country he dropped into john mariarty and uh
0: you know i'm the opposite i keep having dreams and going god you know waking up going that'll make a great story but not remembering <laughs> i can never i can oh never...
1: yeah see yeah yeah <laughs> And you find yourself half making it up, then exactly. I used to keep a dream diary. Yeah, I used to keep a dream diary uh, for the book, actually, and I found myself being so frustrated by the the crap that I was coming out with. I was so disappointed by my own dreams. It was literally like, "Oh, I forgot to put the bins out." Yeah.
0: Is it surreal then when you get a book deal and Element Pictures option it, and is that just surreal?
1: Virgo, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to process it. To be honest, um. It's great, but like in the time that like I got the book deal, coronavirus was just kicking off. So it actually felt very it, the world feels surreal as it is now, uh, and it's kind of like here's everything you ever wanted, um, but don't go outside I or yeah. <laughs> only stay within five k. <laughs> so I'm still not sure if it's real. Like <laughs> I don't know if you're real. If this is just all happening inside my head um but yeah it's it's really overwhelming but wonderful and i'm trying to be more excited than nervous or fearful oh
0: yeah it. then you went from dublin to belfast to do um was it a writing um, course or master's yeah. there yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, i did creative writing in belfast and all of the experiences that i thought i'd have in dublin like i didn't really make friends in university in dublin um i had I was very socially anxious um and I thought that everyone was way cooler than me so and I commuted as well commuted for two years and stayed up for two years um but I had some mental health uh, issues like depression and anxiety so I always felt like um I like low self-esteem and I always felt like no one would want to be my friend so I just went home and then when I went home I was like oh yeah it's grand and pretended to have have friends because I didn't want my parents worrying about me and they were paying fees you know um but then when I went to Belfast uh I made the best friends that I like friends for life and it was because I think that I was doing a course that I really um I was really into like the creative writing um and The city is just, it's a very special place for creative people. I heard um, Sinead O'Connor on a podcast recently, actually, and she said that Belfast is one of her favorite places and she'd love to live there. She could. It's only Belfast. And I completely agree. It's it's cheap rent. Um, There's late night art um there's a theater company called Accidental Theater who do um improv comedy nights and um there's book, gorgeous bookshops book readings book launches every week Queens Film Theater there was just so much going on in the city that um even like I spent I spent the year not even writing I just spent it enjoying the the buzz of creativity off the place
0: and your you know like your your book has been uh, element pictures have have taken yeah. it on and Sally Rooney I think is a big influence isn't she over the last few years
1: I think I you know I owe an awful lot to to Sally I don't know her personally but she was a year ahead of me in in college I think she's done so much for young Irish female authors without even Meaning to, I mean. um, she's like the very fact that she was like on Barack Obama's reading list, like to be on a an American president, well, uh, respected American president yeah, exactly. <laughs> reading list. Um, as a like as a young um female author is is incredible. Um, and we've worked a long time for it to be to level the playing field. And yeah, it's so good to see, um, especially with all of, the, all of our history um, as Irish women of being oppressed and the mother of baby homes, like Irish women have been silenced for so many years. And it was only a matter of time that we'd find our voice. And I really think there is a cacophony of, of Irish female voices um, out there. And it's, it's a reaction to having stuff to say um and and sally's definitely sally Rooney's definitely at the at the forefront of that
0: um yeah have you found like loads of people talk about writing more or baking or whatever podcasting during lockdown have you how have you found lockdown is it has it helped the writing or not or does it make a difference yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's very individual. Um, And it depends on where your head's at at any given day. I wouldn't do writing for relaxation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't find it therapeutic. Um, I do find it difficult and I do treat it as a job. Um, It's sort of like exercise, you know, like before you go exercising, you're really reluctant to go. But then after you've done it, you feel better. So I feel very like that with with writing. I'm very reluctant to start and then after I've done it I'm like okay glad I, glad I did that. Job done sort of. Um so yeah I've gotten more into jigsaws and um
0: that's the oh, the, li- oh, the line I always use with my kids is like for going for swimming in the sea is like you never regret it. You never after swimming swim in the sea, you never regret Definitely
1: it. Definitely not. Not for the sea, especially swimming in the sea.
0: You're the first person actually that I've had on, would you believe on the podcast that has done interrailing and uh it was you know oh. Yeah. I, I never yeah. had the chance to do it actually. I'm jealous. So I mean
1: Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of like a thing to do, that. um I, no, it I felt very much like cliche.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, but you're. you're but it's yeah. a good. It's a good cliche, you know. It's like, yeah,
1: I suppose. Yeah. yeah, um. So went three weeks with my friends. We're um, about twenty three, uh, and yeah, we we landed in Br- Brussels first, and then went to Amsterdam, went to Budapest, uh, Prague, and then we went to Corsica as well um other places way yeah it's it's mad you forget um mm-hmm. oh we went to um lake lake bled in slovenia wow um which is gorgeous really gorgeous I've heard um that. that was probably one of the one of the highlights definitely
0: it, it's interesting <laughs> that like out of the trip you picked amsterdam that was the one that jumped out
1: yes Uh, so I read the diary of Anne Frank um, late in life Um, I read it when I was 22 um, and I wasn't expecting Anne to be so funny Um, and I really really um, related to her an awful lot Um, and she became a kind of friend (laughs) and it just so happened that she lived in an annexed during World War Two, but I really felt like I had some like deep connection with her. And she just felt like a very wise 15 year old because she she wrote the diaries when she was 14, 15, 16. Um, and so I chose Amsterdam because the most exciting part of the trip for me was visiting Anne Frank's house. Um, and so like I was bouncing around in the queue to it. Um, and they couldn't shut me up I was so excited to see like the places that she mentions in the diary um, and then we went in and the first thing that we saw was um, videos of footage of the concentration camp that she died in and it was very sobering um, and I I got a land um, because I had completely forgotten that side of it, really. Um, and a lot of the house was uh, a documentary videos of the likes of her dad, um, Pim, she called him. Um, and she had a great relationship with him, but he didn't take her um, as seriously. He said in, the, in one of the videos that uh, parents can never really know, know their, um, their children and um, because he felt like Anne was a funny kind of frivolous teenager and he loved her as a daughter but they didn't really have a, a, as deep a connection as, as he would have liked and he only got to know her after she died in, in the concentration camp and he read her diaries and he was like and in there I found a completely different person and a person full of quiet reflection and wisdom and wit and I just thought it was such um uh sorry I thought it was such um such a pity that they couldn't have connected in real life Um, and Anne died in a concentration camp uh, a month before the liberation and uh, her f- her friend reckons that if she knew she thought that all of her family was dead and then one of her friends said that if she knew her dad had survived um she probably would have would have hung on.
0: The dad didn't publish it either, wasn't it? Was it the aunt or someone else?
1: Yeah, um, he was reluctant for it to be published. Um, he, he went ahead in, in the end, he edited it himself. Like there's a lot of stuff about uh, teenage uh, lust and she was very harsh on her mom as well. I don't think that the dad wanted that to be known. So there's loads of different versions of the diary. Um some of them are a lot more um, favorable to the, like what the dad wanted um, than others. Um, But anyways, uh, like uh, after I went to the Anne Frank House, we had planned to go uh, pedal boating afterwards (laughs) and I was like not in the mood for that. Um, So we went home uh, or back to the back to the what was it called? Bob's Youth Hostel. And we had we'd met um, lads from Galway um, earlier. So we went out with them that night and. um, one Of them was like, Oh, who the hell is Anne Frank anyway? And why should she visit her house? And I bawled crying, <laughs> it was very embarrassing. And uh, it was like a, a guttural howl. Um, and and I was like, I, I just got so upset over um, because I hadn't really processed the way that she died and um. How tragic her life was, and the fact that she had so much promise as well. I, I really do think that she was she was a genius, and the the, the diary is evidence of that. And um, it's not famous just because it's a diary of um a gr- mm. a girl in in an annex in World War Two. It's it's famous because of the quality of the writing and and the wisdom that she had as a teenager. So there's so much um lost uh talent um so anyway i i uh, i I bawled crying and my my friends had to put me to bed (laughs) and i was i was like put on frank's my best friend and they're like yeah yeah louise we'll talk about it we'll talk about it in the morning (laughs) and i was i was like in a 12 bed hostel hostel room it was like a mixed room and there was these Swedish lads and they are like, are you all right? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And they are like, okay, well, will you stop crying? Because we have to get up for an early train in the morning. <laughs> I got so embarrassed. I was, oh, like, I was like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. so yeah the whole the whole of the and the 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 girls are like just don't mention on like <laughs> we can talk about anything else we just won't go back and mention on and so,
0: yeah. could you relate to them that idea that um you know you write stuff and maybe people see ideas that you have you know that you haven't expressed that must be uh,
1: is that tricky yeah um I suppose a part of the reason why I wanted to write in the first place is because I feel like I, I tell the truth when I write. Mm. I don't often feel like I tell the truth in, in my day-to-day life. There's an awful lot of saving face and, um, and just going through the motions and not wanting to upset anybody. Um, But there's an awful lot going on in everyone's head um, and I feel like I'm my most authentic self um, when I write um, and when I use different characters to uh, um, explore whatever it is is going on in my head. Um, and the thing is, like, you, you don't really know what's going on in your head half the time <laughs> as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I very much related to... Um, I. Found it heartbreaking that, Anne wanted to have a, a closer relationship to her dad than than she she did, um, and she said uh, one one of the things she said is that uh, paper has more patience than people, um, which I think is a very uh, astute line, especially for a fourteen year old to say, and she said that the reason why she kept the diary, she called the diary Kitty, and she wrote to Kitty because she wanted a friend. Um, And she wanted the kind of intimacy that she didn't really get from um, the people around her and that it wasn't able, she wasn't able to have. So that's kind of, that's the thing that I get from her. And the thing that I get from reading is that I get a kind of intimacy with, with writers, like the the relationship between the reader and the writer is a lot more honest than the relationship that she'd have, say, in a day-to-day conversation and that's the kind of thing that I crave really yeah
0: and you know like so when you were like say you know your story your short story that you wrote um that I keep forgetting the title of what what, what is the title of it the one that won the competition
1: uh What Feminism What is.
0: And what feminism is? So when what you feminism
1: is, it's an <laughs> awful title.
0: No, it's not. It's just for some reason, feminism is the only word that I remember in the title. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And the feminism um, one.
0: <laughs> and uh, but it's just it seems like a very personal story, and that's why I'm going. You know, do do you find it hard reading that out loud to a group or not at all? No,
1: I, no. that's something I that, um that I find I'm lucky. Because um, a lot of writers that I know uh, don't really like the whole reading out your work, or um, I don't mind it. Um, because I know that, uh, first of all, I know that the character isn't me. <laughs> nice. I also want to be able to tell the truth. And I find that writing fiction is the best way of telling the truth because you don't really hurt anyone's True. feelings. Um, you're not standing up and calling someone out Um, it's just using a story belonging to people that actually don't exist um, to articulate things that you feel but you don't know really what your feelings are around it or you don't know why you're angry or you don't know why you're upset um, at the world around you really Um, and and that character is I'm not saying that there isn't a bit of me in that character there definitely is but there's also um, like bits of caveats of stories and details that I got from other women that um, that I felt were important to show so that even like, like my ideal reader for that story would be say like the dad of a young girl who can, can finally relate to the way that she sees the world. Or or a young girl who has gone through some of that and she's like, oh, I'm not the only person who, who that happens to. Um, and there is a sense of, of um, loneliness and humiliation in that story that I think is very human. Um, and I think the more... Um, the more we show our vulnerabilities as as people the um the better really
0: and do you sort of think so when you were just say when i'm traveling and something happens just say with my kids like we were, we were doing a walk in the mountains and one of them nearly fell off a ledge and i grabbed him and then at the same time i'm grabbing him i'm also going this is going to make a great story <laughs>
1: Make sure you grab them first, not the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I let them dangle a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: All the time, all the time. Like every time something happens on a trip, I I'm dying to get back home in order to be able to tell the story, um, which is uh, mad. <laughs> um, but I love when something unfortunate happens, or something that makes me look like an idiot happens. Because there's a kind of power in that that, like, okay, at least I can use this for a story. Exactly. You know. Um, exactly. Yeah.
0: I'm glad that's not just me. Then you know what I mean? Like, you know. <laughs>
1: well, it's kind of a comfort at the time.
0: Same. Exactly.
1: You know, exactly. the worse it goes, the better the story's going to be.
0: Exactly. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah. so you're nearly wishing misfortune upon yourself.
0: Place that you mentioned was um, New York. So you were. On a J1, you're over in San Diego. It's funny that you picked yeah. New York rather than San Diego. What did you think of San Diego?
1: San Diego was mad. It was like a big, massive retirement village. Oh, yeah. um, I, I I, I, maybe not. Like, um, I just thought it was really sunny and relaxed. Um, public transport was an absolute roller coaster. Like, I had never kind of... Um, been approached by a man at all like re asking me out or whatever and you go on one bus and i went on one bus with my friend and we got asked out about five times and we were like jesus yeah. where in the world because <laughs> americans are especially west coast americans i don't know what it is that they're just so confident and they were like oh we're destined to be together and you're like Really? <laughs> and we were green like we were only like were 21 um I can't believe I survived that trip to be honest it was a lot of like we we went over and we were trying to do waitressing jobs but all all we got in the end was um these things called promotion jobs uh so we were just like promoting like uh like a like a football tournament was won in 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 Santa Monica, and another one was like promoting tequila and vodka in things called uh, liquor stores. But that's where people went in to get bread and milk as well. So you'd be like standing in a t-shirt at a, at a table um, and these women would come in with their kids and like pull you away, they'd pull you them away from us, be like, get away from that scary lady trying to sell you alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was about 20 of us living in one one apartment it was a great, like, great yeah. crack.
0: It um, is special, J1. It's a real passage of rights, isn't it, for Irish people?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I got really close to the girls that I went traveling with. Uh, yeah, there was a real intimacy there, and uh, it was, it's something that you'd never experience again. You kind of had, like, it was the best summer of my life. In, and it was the best summer that I could have had back then. But like, we were sleeping on blow beds and the delta airlines blanket and just yeah. getting into all sorts of situations like it was it was mental I, yeah. I have
0: a whatsapp group from friends from college you know when we were in america we were wildwood in new jersey and the guy i was with i didn't even know i didn't even have a job and i was going over and where are you go wildwood oh sure i'll go there and i was yeah. saying to him we were just on the whatsapp the other day talking about the j1 and i was saying like we had this little little uh, one bedroom thing at the back of a house and it was a double bed and we used to use the curtains as our blanket you know yeah. and, <laughs> and like you're just going did this happen you know
1: but we went into an a, apartment complex and there was other Irish people uh we all sort of congregated when we landed in America we we're all like oh you're Irish too and uh so we we used to go we were the apartment we stole um well, we, we came across uh, an armchair and a couch in a skip. So we brought it up to the apartment and everyone came to our apartment because we're the ones who had furniture, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you went to Vegas as well from the, from San Diego, wasn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, so went to Vegas as well. Um, I had awful preconceptions about Vegas that it was a place of hell, being a good Catholic girl, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But it was uh, I, we had an absolute ball Um I was mental there the the things that we did like we had the best time but when you think about it like the reason why we had such a good time was because we had no money and we were absolute chancers. and a lot of my friends were quite like Beautiful, beautiful girls. Like, and so men come up to them in the middle of the day and and they'd be like, Oh, you want to go to this nightclub later? And they'd be like, Great. So like we all we'd all go to this nightclub and they pick us up in a limousine for free, like. And and you be getting drink for free. And and then you go into this nightclub and but they they place you on a on a podium sort of thing so you knew that they were trying to get girls in to the clubs to attract male customers in which is so when you think about it I just got very depressed about it um and that that was something about America that I really uh like what the whole promotions work as well when we did that football tournament and they lined us up and this man came around and he was like um you 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 and you and he, he pointed out the girls that he thought were prettiest or most beautiful. And they were allowed to go outside and uh, interact with all the people in, in the tournament. And the rest of us had to actually work. <laughs> <laughs> the, rest, the rest of us were, were hidden away, squirreled in, uh, and we had to like serve food and canopies and stuff. And while the most beautiful ones could be seen having a good time. Um, and for an impressionable um, young girl at the time, I was kind of like, oh, this is the way the world works. Um, and I found that quite depressing. But I, on the other hand, it was just how, and it kind of still is, how American culture works. It's very um, old-fashioned, isn't it? Very much so. And and they were like, we love your style, or we love your look, about certain... It was never me. <laughs> 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 but, well, I kind of felt uh, liberated in some way because I was like, OK, so I'm not I'm not considered conventionally beautiful. Therefore, I have to be uh, I have to have a bit more about me, you know, mm-hmm. um, but like now nowadays, like say the most beautiful person I've met um, in my life was a man who uh, ran a marathon, uh, ran a half marathon with a cage on his leg and he passed me out. And he was wearing this, like, um, highlighter yellow um, jersey. And uh, I hadn't trained for the half marathon, so I was panting. And uh, and he'd, he passed me out, and I just looked at him running. And he's, like, a beautiful stride. And I was just like, imagine going through, like, the level of trauma that he had with, like, a leg injury and... And still managing to get to that point where where you run a half marathon, and I just thought it was gorgeous, like and I suppose living in Belfast, even like my parameters of what I perceived as beautiful really changed, and I think the older that you get, the more you um, change your uh, perceptions of what beauty can be but but in America. The reason why I probably wouldn't live in America is because that their conventions of beauty or their standards of beauty is so um, set mm-hmm. in in these um, in these harmful kind of ways that that kind of feeds into a depressive society and really exactly. restrictive society. Yeah.
0: That was the thing I noticed when I was there. Even when my first days there, like a a police a guard a cop policeman coming over to me and. You know where you're from, Ireland, and I'm from Ireland. You know about five generations ago, but (laughs) I I was I was looking at him going, um, it was like he was talking like something out of an American movie. And the the part I couldn't figure out is is are they copying what they see in movies, like even the thing about jocks and cheerleaders, or or are movies reflecting that? I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly what American people are like. And that's exactly what I, I thought as well. Because when I went on to public transport, there was all these like movie characters around me. And like you say, it's very hard to know whether they are um, copying what they see in, in movies or whether yeah. whether life reflects yeah. art or art reflects life. It's exactly. They have this mindset that they see themselves as the main character in their sort of movie exactly. and you're just the set you exactly. are you are the you are the meat cute or you are the extra but in their life you know exactly. um it's all very superficial like if you um because i used to think that if i was uh, a beautiful woman um that all of life's pain would just have no effect on me like it would protect me but kind of see like making friends with um girls who I would be jealous of because they were so beautiful and physically gorgeous and attractive, I, I kind of came to realise that they're just as vulnerable, if not more vulnerable. And everyone, no matter how much people society might value them more, that doesn't reflect on their own sense of worth or self-esteem. And it might actually damage it because they might think, I shouldn't feel this way because okay. i have so much
0: going for me or, or okay. whatever um, I, I remember um when i was doing my j1 going to new york and one of the bits of advice we were given was you know don't look like a tourist and i remember like my first day after about 10 minutes i went feck this and i just said, don't look up and i just i just walked spent my whole time looking up because i went i'm in new york i'm gonna enjoy yeah, this." You I know? Look up. exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to act like a local. I'm not a local. I want to enjoy this city. You know, like it is amazing yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah. It is like a movie set there.
1: Oh, yeah. Like one of my favorite books is um, Just Kids by Patti Smith. Mm-hmm. And it's a book about her moving to New York um, in the 70s. And she meets Robert Mapplethorpe, who is um, a photographer and becomes her best friend. And it's just the two of them. Um, trying to make it as artists in in the Chelsea Hotel in New York and all of the people that they meet there so I had a huge expectation of of New York and it did not disappoint like I like and I didn't even I didn't even plan to go there like there was two girls on the trip who kind of took the reins and they were like the mammies and they they were the ones who were like okay we're going to LA today we're going to Santa Monica today and it was it just so happened that New York was a stopover and uh when I got off the flight I was the, the girls always say it to me they're like I'll never forget your face when you get off the flight and uh and we landed in New York and from the minute that I got out of the airport I was completely in love and there was nothing that could have happened that would break me from the, the effect that it had on me it's just the energy of the city and the fact that it did look exactly like a movie set and looked like a place that anything would happen like now the likes of Times square i didn't really i found that kind of overwhelming um, especially all the advertisements and stuff right. um really but like the likes of uh, one of the, one of the girls wanted to get a, a designer bag for from her man for her mom and uh we went uh to Chinatown looking for um knockoff really good designer bags. And we had an absolute ball, because the like the the crack of trying to find great bags there's this woman who goes around, she had like a pink umbrella. And uh, she was waiting for the tourists to get off the bus. And she was like, you, you want handbag? Like you want uh, Jimmy shoe? You want? And we were like, yeah, 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 we do. (laughs) And she was like, okay, follow me. And she just turned on her heel and, and the umbrella was behind her. And she just like, like nearly half ran off on us. And we had to keep up with her. And it was the adventure of that. And like we kept going for about 10 minutes and we were like, is this the same woman? And she led us into this shop. And uh and we all went in then and and uh then she turned off the lights and we were like what's gonna happen she's going to murder us. <laughs> and then like the back the back door went open like it was like a secret door like an annex and uh and there was like a back room with all of the really good bags or whatever so even the adventure of like going in New York was as a tourist um was enough for me yeah I'd love to go back
0: and you know, we mentioned earlier on. I said about um that line about you know you never regret swimming in the sea. So you love sea swimming, am I right in saying I am,
1: that? I adore sea swimming. Like you say, you never you never regret a swim in the sea. Um, I got into sweet sea swimming when I read a book. Actually, um, it was a memoir of a woman who lives in the Orkney Islands called uh, "Swimming with Seals." And at the time, I was working in a bookshop at the time. Um and I put in the book out and it had a lovely cover (laughs) and I'm I'm a sucker for a lovely book cover I absolutely judge books by their covers um so i had a flick through it and I wasn't really um interested in swimming uh at the time and when I was younger I would um I was awful lazy so I didn't like the effort of getting wet and um having to dry your hair afterwards um but after reading that book I really um, got an itch uh, to go swimming in the sea. And even now, it's a great way of, when your head's all over the place and you're feeling a bit, um, if you're feeling a bit down in the dumps, I always, I, I re- I'm I really missing the sea at the minute because I always go away to Port Marnock. And, um, and the minute my body hits the water and it's freezing and I think I'm not be- going to be able to go in eat. at all. Yeah. Do you know when your your breath catches in, in your chest mm. and the sense of achievement I get after going in, you know, you, you really think your body is just amazing to be able to cope with the level of, of cold. And then once you're in for a few minutes, the best feeling is like when you start to feel numb and you actually start to feel a bit warm, and, exactly. and I'm just like, this is incredible. And my sister always laughs at me because I always drag her into the sea, and she's she kind of knows what I mean now. But she's kind of like, oh, like I, I'm so evangelical, evangelical about it, and have have the nicest cup of tea after and, and a crisp sandwich, and it's just the best in the world i i love it
0: and the warm clothes when you put on a big jumper or something after you know yeah and you
1: appreciate you appreciate indoor heating and you appreciate a good shower you know um i i i just find that it clears my head so much um yeah very good and that's what you so
0: you went to portmarnock am i right in saying that you went for a swim the day you finished your novel was it
1: yeah so I surprised myself when I finished the novel and um, I wasn't expecting to finish it that day. I didn't think that I'd finish it at all to be honest <laughs> uh I spent ten years telling people that I was writing a novel, but i felt very um unsure that I was ever going to finish it um but it, w- it was going well, and I was like jesus i think i'm on I think I'm on the last chapter um and I had planned like a couple of weeks to work on the last chapter, but I wrote it very quickly. Um, and on Monday, I I just um, I just realised that I'd written the last line and it was in the morning time. So my work day wasn't finished and I was kind of like, what will I do now? And I knew, like I just hopped into the car with the tail, went to the beach and I still had my characters in my head and the end of the novel, sea is a is a big theme in in, in the novel. Um, and sea swimming is uh, obviously the things that I get obsessed with obviously work its way into my fiction. Can't help it. Um so I when I went into the the water, it was relatively warm, but I felt like I was there with my characters. <laughs> Sounds strange. But uh-huh. uh it was very kind of um a spiritual thing. Uh, I just felt so grateful um for to like have the moment um the realization that like I I brought these characters into the world and they can now exist in in between the the covers of a book hopefully I didn't know that it was going to be published but I was so grateful that I'd finished it for not only for myself but also for them you know <laughs> um and and now that I know that the book's going to be read by other people I'm really excited that uh I'm really but that was the best day of my life wow. um finishing and, and, and going to the sea and um and feeling surrounded by like my imagination if it doesn't sound too corny, no, you know?
0: Not at all. Um,
1: because I had yeah, I had a blast with the with the characters and um, they kept me company for 10 years, you know. Um, so it was a really kind of intimate moment. Um
0: and you you wrote a lovely line. You, you said travel and writing go hand in hand in your imagination. And I thought that was lovely because they do, don't they? As for inspiring.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And and even the places that I want to go now are linked to writers that I admire you know so I want to go to Greece because I know Leonard Cohn was on Hydra and um, Joni Mitchell was there and I want to go to Naples even though I hear Naples isn't a great place to go I have awful reports
0: I went to Naples and flew in and then went straight out and I were but I want to go back now because I reckon it is probably lovely you know what I mean
1: Great yeah and there's a yeah, no. If anything else, like <laughs> yeah. I'm there for the food first and foremost. Yeah. Um, but my favorite uh, series of novels, the new new are novels, is set in in Naples. And there's a there's a tour that brings you around to all the different spots in like where the book is set and stuff. Um, so yeah, like after lockdown, Italy is my first port of call.
0: I really appreciate it for for <laughs> um, for giving me your time and. The best to look with oh, the book
1: Say
0: so so you can't wait for it to yeah. come can you like me I, can't,
1: I feel like i've been talking about it phrases and everyone's like it's not even out yet yeah. <laughs> so yeah i can't, I can't wait for it. can't wait for me um and yeah it's, it's just it's very surreal very mad um but thanks a million for having me
0: i would ask if you could please subscribe to apple podcast so a new episode will appear in your library every week i would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it helps others to discover this podcast. To find out who's on every Tuesday, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Tales with Virgo. Stay safe and keep dreaming of future travels. Travel Tales with Virgo.